Welcome to Relaunch, the real estate podcast focused on helping you find your success in real estate. My name is Lauren Cooper. I am an active real estate sales representative just north of Toronto, Canada. The whole purpose of this podcast is to bring you actionable content by interviewing the best of the best in this business, helping to take you from zero to hero in your real estate career. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Relaunch Podcast. That is the Real Estate Launch Podcast. My name is Lauren Cooper and today we welcome Ron Goldkind. How are you, Ron? Good. How you doing, Lauren? I'm doing fantastic. So let's get into this right away. The things are going to be a little bit different today because you're not an active selling real estate agent. You are an executive VP with a particular franchise. And uh, we're going to talk about... Well, we'll talk about your background, and that'll make a lot more sense when we get to things like marketing and uh, agent development and, and that type of thing, okay? Sure. All right, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what were you doing before you got into real estate and uh, sort of walk us up to now? Okay, well, I was actually licensed in 1986 when I was 20 years old. My family have a history of apartment buildings that they built, managed, they did some residential development, but it was primarily apartment buildings in the Bathurst, Lawrence, Bathurst, Glencairn area. So I've grown up with that my whole life. That's the Toronto uh, area for those that are listening out of area. Yeah, Toronto area. My grandfather bought land way back in the 40s. Anyway, I was licensed in 86. I sold apartment buildings, have, was having a great time with it. But my education, my background, my love was marketing and business strategy. Always was. And in 1994, I was approached by a dear friend whose family owned a marketing agency and they wanted to start a real estate division. We started Morris Real Estate Marketing Group on October the 1st, 1994. Did that for 25 years. And in that time also started a CRM, Exact Contact. We were working with tens of thousands of realtors all over North America. I used to speak all over Ontario, Michigan, Florida, Texas, about marketing, referral repeat marketing, geographic farming, business strategy, words to use to influence decisions that were in the vendors, I still call them vendors, vendors and purchasers <laughs> best interests. And at the same time, protecting and enhancing your business reputation and commissions. Okay, fantastic. And now, um, after that, because you're no longer involved in, in that company. No, I am not. Not at all. All right. So when did that transition happen? In November of 2016, I got a phone call from one of our biggest clients who asked me, to meet them for lunch. I thought there was a problem. I thought there was a big problem because I never hear from this particular member of the company. I always deal with the other principal who was actually a close friend of the family since I was 18 years old. And I met him for lunch and he says to me, so what I really want is I want you to come work with us. And I laughed and said, okay, I'm not interested, but thank you for the offer, it's very flattering. Anyway, after four offers, he made it impossible to say no. And we're not talking money. We're talking about the experience of doing something that I love, doing something new, doing something that is my own business within a business. And here I am from the seven, from 2017 
January the 1st, absolutely loving what I'm doing, having a great time. Still involved in the real estate industry, very much so, but on a much smaller niche scale than what I was used to for the past 25 years. So what is it that you're focusing on doing right now in your role? I recruit the best agents that I feel will fit our company and then work with them to increase their production and enhance their lives while they're doing that. The thing I'm most proud of in the last year, in 2018, were two agents that I brought. One had been in business for 12 years and one was a brand new rookie, had been in business for two months. The rookie did $279,000 in business and the other agent who had been in business for 12 years, which had never done more than 102,000, achieved $251,000 in 2018. It's a combination of mindset, marketing, business strategy. It's easy to take someone from five, 600,000 to a million. It's a lot more challenging and a lot more rewarding to take someone from 50, 100,000 or zero to a serious level of income that makes a big difference in their family, their lives, and in themselves, frankly. It really increased who they are as a person to make them feel that I really am amazing. I can do this, and I don't need anyone to tell me that I can or can't. It's up to me, and I can do it all. So just guiding people like that, it's such a rush, Lauren. It's such an amazing feeling that you can do it on a hands-on basis, face-to-face. -face. It's an amazing feeling. Okay, so yeah, that's a fantastic journey right there. I mean, I experienced it myself, having to struggle for the first couple of years in this business and then kind of uh, exploding in year three and, and onwards. Now, the real thing that this show is about is is exactly that, helping those agents that are getting into the business and don't really know where to start or are having trouble getting off the ground. Or the ones that, like you said, have been in the business for a while and are kind of plateaued. So what are some of the techniques that uh, you use to help those two particular agents. So let's start with the one that was the new agent. Well, okay, the new agents, the 32-year-old kid who's lived in two other countries besides Canada, didn't know where to start, but he was incredibly hungry and aggressive. So I said, all right, let's get you out knocking on doors on your neighborhood. Let's get you talking to people that you already know in your community that you're friends with. And he didn't question me. He didn't give me objections. He just went ahead and did it. And every day I would get a phone call from him. What can I do now? Tell me more. What can I do that's bigger, better? Tell me more. And I said, no, let's focus on one thing at a time. Let's do it perfect. And then let's move on to the next. Once we do, once we do that, then we can worry about other scenarios. And that's all he did. And he loves it. And he's, he's actually taken steps now to increase the farming that he's doing to include phone calls, postcards, flyers, door knocking, neighborhood events. And he's having a great time. So let, let's dig a little bit deeper into that. And let's talk about maybe a daily schedule that uh, he would be going through in order to get this done. Uh, so did he have specific goals in mind as he was moving along, or did he just magically end up at that 220-plus number? Nope. He actually said, what should I do first? 
and we built a schedule for them similar to the one I've always followed and now I do follow in my role. The mornings are used for new time, new people time. So in this case, he's going to go door knocking from 10 to 11. He's going to make follow-up phone calls from any online business that he receives from his ads from 12 to 1. He's going to then call people that he may or may not have already been in touch with from 2 to 3. So everything has a time, an hour, hour and a half, two hours, and there's always going to be things that are going to interrupt that. There's always going to be a meeting that gets set, a phone call, a family scenario that will always interrupt it. But at least you know that every single day, this is my time block, and I'm going to do it every day. And it's never going to vary unless something, because of business or family, interrupts that. And next day, I'll go right back to that schedule. So that's the daily schedule right there. Now, in terms of the amount of calls, was that really a concern or was it just more so in that window of time, make as many as possible? The amount of calls is not as important as the quality of the calls, especially in the beginning. You don't know what you're doing. You have no idea what to say. Most agents are, hi, do you want to sell your house? Or you're knock on somebody's door. Hi, are you thinking of selling your house? You just want to get comfortable. Get the people comfortable that, okay, this is the phone. It's going to be your best friend. Its only real purpose is to get a face-to-face -face scenario appointment. This is the door-knocking situation. Most people won't open the door for you. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Who knows? But you've got to know what to say and try to give them something more than they had before they opened the door. So when they close that door, they have some piece of knowledge that they didn't have. And you have to give that to them, which means you have to ha you have to educate yourself on their street, on their house, on the situation in real estate that is applying at that moment in that particular part of the city, because we are no longer in a balanced market where every municipality sells the same. I live in Vaughan. It's different than Richmond Hill. It's different than Newmarket. It's different than North York, Leslieville. Everywhere is a micro market. And you really have to know what's happening in that micro market and the streets in that micro market. So it starts with uh, basically market knowledge and then delivering some sort of value uh, when you are prospecting. Now, you're talking about really old school, tried and true tested uh, methods that have produced business over the years and continue to. Uh, to this day, some people shy away from doing business like that. Uh, other people embrace it wholeheartedly. There's no denying that if you do it, it works uh, one way or the other. So right now, you said it's important to know and to get comfortable with what to say as you approach people if you're door knocking or if you're calling them. What What is a typical script that you would suggest for this agent? Okay. See, remember, this is a rookie. He's new to the country. He has a handful of people that he knows not someone like you or I who were born in Canada and we've known people our whole lives and we can take a look at our phone and there's 700, 800, 1,000 contacts. This particular person had 25 people that he knew in Canada. So he's got to go door knocking and cold calling. He's got no other option. Right. So I suggested to him, you're going to go knocking on Main Street. You want to know the average sale price in the last three months, the average expiry price in the last three months, and compare it to a year ago. So when people ask, well, what's the difference? You'll have that scenario as well. Another fantastic factor to keep as an overall is to use the market watch. 
So you can see how many actual active listings are available for one sale in Vaughn, Durham, Newmarket, et cetera. But asking people at the door, depending on the responses you're getting, hi, my name is Ron Goldkind from ABC Realty. Where were you thinking of moving to next? You're gonna get something along the lines of, I'm not moving, or really? You're gonna get a response that you don't have a no or a yes to, it's going to be something. The other thing that I really like people to say, because you'll really get a reaction. Hi, my name's Ron Goldkind from ABC Realty. Did you know that the average expiry price on your street is 850,000? and the average sale price is 775,000. No. You're gonna get some type of reaction. Either you're gonna get a smile and they're gonna go, really? Or they're gonna say, okay, fine, yeah, so, which means it's time to move on to the next house. But gotcha. all you wanna do is create a conversation. Uh, my favorite is when you're knocking on streets that are over a million dollars. Hi, my name's Ron Goldkind from ABC Realty. Are you aware that the average expiry price on your street is $1.4 million and the average sale price is $1.2 million? Congratulations on being a millionaire. And just to see if they react, if they go, really? Or if they say, yeah, fine, but I've got $950,000 worth of mortgage. <laughs> You're just looking for a reaction because nothing you say is going to convince someone to buy or sell. You're looking for the needle in the haystack. You're looking for the reaction. And if that reaction can cause a conversation that maybe they're gonna to sell today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, you want to keep that person in your database to keep in touch with. And that really is the key. <clears throat> there are no magic words or magic uh, success pills, otherwise we'd all be taking them. <laughs> exactly. It's just starting a conversation. So however you're comfortable to do it, go ahead and do that. But once the conversation is started and let's say it's a long term, because most of the time it is, oh uh, yeah, maybe next year or maybe two years from now. Um, how do you stay in contact? Because you have your background with Morse marketing and exact contact. What are the steps that you would suggest to stay in contact with a prospect or a lead like that? Well, you can use Morse marketing has some fantastic direct mail marketing. What I give my agents here is three marketing pieces. I like to call them macro, micro, and me, meaning macroeconomic, the big picture. You should be sending something via email or direct mail that talks about what the market is doing, the whole real estate market picture. And then seven to 10 days later, something micro, meaning what my company is doing or what I'm doing. Usually these are graphs or charts or something along the lines where they're visual, not a lot of reading. And then the me part of macro, micro, and me is a warm, fuzzy letter. That's why you can use something like Exact Contact, Morris Marketing. There's other companies out there, but I'm very fond of those two <laughs> for obvious reasons. Or certain companies actually provide these marketing pieces to their agents. It's warm and friendly and explains in layman's terms what the market is doing rather than what people are reading in the newspaper, which is all scare tactic or in the various websites, which the news is only good to sell advertising. They're not doing it to benefit the public anymore. And a lot of what they're saying is not accurate. All right, so this is per month you're suggesting sending these three types of pieces, whether it be digitally or in, in physical copy. Yes. 
Okay. Now, what about reaching out um, and, and talking to them over the phone or stopping yes. by? 100%. I try to get every realtor I know to make at least a minimum of five contacts a day to their database, whether it's prospects from farming or their actual phone or their CRM database, five contacts a day minimum. 10 is preferable, but five is an absolute minimum. And I do the numbers with them saying, five times five is 25, five days a week, obviously. 25 times four weeks of the month, it's 100. You're not gonna work 12 months of the year. None of us are, we can't. We have vacations, we have family obligations, we have lazy days. Hardcore, we're all gonna work 10 months of the year without even a thought. So 100 conversations a month, 10 months of the year, 1,000 conversations a year. If you just do the math, 2% of those conversations are gonna result in 20 transactions. As well, those conversations should be to try to get one meeting a day face-to-face -face with someone in your database. So five meetings a week, again, five times four, 20 meetings, okay? 20 times 10 months of the year, that's 200 face-to-face -face people. Your 10% return on your database, which is a minimal number, that's 20 transactions. These are achievable numbers if you stay consistent and persistent. So these meetings that you're setting, these are meetings with people that are considering doing some business or these are just meetings to get face-to-face? Face-to-face -face for either or. I like to say, when we look at your database, we've got three categories of people. People that can buy, sell, or refer to me in the next 12 months, and I know them really well. People that can buy, sell, or refer to me in the next 12 months, and I don't know them as well as I'd like to, but I want to know them better. And then... There's the people who will not buy, sell, or refer with me, and I don't even know why they're in my database, <laughs> which okay. usually works out to be about 70% of the people you know. It really is. But they're there. So out of these 30% of the people that we do know that are in our CRM or our phone or our computer or whatever we're using, we're sitting with them to offer something. Um, I like to think of it there's four conversations we can call to ask people to meet with us. Haven't seen your face in a while, it would be good to say hello, let's have a coffee, let's have a meal. You're a real estate agent. They're gonna ask you how the market is. It's like sitting next to someone on a plane. So what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a real estate broker. Oh, how's the market? First question. That's one, just meet people socially. Secondly is, is there anything I can do for you, Lauren? Do you need a roofer, a plumber, an electrician? Do you need a dog walker while you're at work? Do you need a math tutor for the kids? Or in my case, do you need an LSAT tutor for when they're going to a secondary education after their bachelor's degree, they're going to master's degrees? Scenarios that you can offer services that I would like to see your face. I'll give you the name, phone number, email of this person, whatever you need, but it would be good to just see your face for 15, 20 minutes. Another scenario is, I like to call it a real estate checkup. We all go to the doctor, or we should, once a year for a physical. We go to the dentist a few times a year for a cleaning. Hopefully we change the oil in our car every 8K. This is a real estate checkup. I don't want you to sell the house. I don't want you to put it up in the market. I just wanna give you the latest knowledge as to what your property is worth in today's world. Simple as that. And it's a CMA, okay? That's what it is, it's a CMA. And the last, which is my favorite, 
Oh, so hold on, hold on one second. So it's a comparative market analysis for those yes. that are listening and not familiar with the uh, the jargon. <laughs> Sorry about that. No problem. Yes. My favorite is any one of the people in your database or your prospect list or your wedding list, call it whatever you want, that own their own business. Lauren, would you like to advertise your landscaping business on my marketing that I send out to my database three times a month, it would be my gift to you. It would be my pleasure to help you. I'll come by tonight for 15, 20 minutes, show you where we're gonna put your business card ad. We'll have a coffee. It'll be nice to see your face and say hello. I feel the more you give, the more you'll get back. And if you're an aggressive person, most of us as realtors in the real estate industry can be. It's a lot easier to ask for referral business once you've given something of value to someone else rather than just taking. You give first, you'll get back, or you can ask, but you've at least given first. So let's talk about the ask because a lot of people get stuck on that. Okay. How and when do you bring that up? You're going to... Uh, the dentist that you know, and you're like, hey, you want to advertise on my advertising that I'm sending out? Like, sure, why not? Okay, you get together, you get that done. Do you ask at the table? Do you ask after the fact? Very simple. I'm sitting with you at your kitchen table. I'm showing you where you're advertising your business. I'm sitting with you doing a CMA, the real estate checkup. I'm sitting with you giving you the name of this person that you need some assistance, a roofer, plumber, an electrician, I'm sitting with you having a coffee. You're gonna to say to the person, if any of your friends or your family ever wanna, the name of a person who can help them, ever wanna advertise their business, whatever the reason that you're there to see them, you're gonna say, I'm here to help you, your friends or your family, if they also need this service. And if any of your friends or your family have any questions about real estate, about the marketplace, about their house, about buying investment properties, I'm here to help. Do you know of anyone that needs any help right now? 99 times out of 100, no, don't, don't know a soul. Okay, I didn't think so. But just know I'm here to help and I will take care of them like I will always take care of you, like family. Okay, great, fantastic. So let's talk about um, what you were doing. Let's take a few steps backwards with uh, the other agent that was there at that level, that $100,000 level and was stuck right. there for a decade. <laughs> uh, how did you break her out of that? Well, this is a woman who knows everyone in her school, has listing opportunities and contacts all the way up to Barry to Mississauga, Thornhill, North York. She knows everyone and they're all in her phone. And she's never ever asked for business because she considers herself an introvert. And I said, you're not an introvert. You're an amazing person. You look after your husband, you look after your children, you assist in the family business and you have a full-time real estate practice. You can do anything. A lot of it is mindset that we don't believe that we are deserving of the business. I think part of it is our polite Canadian roots that we don't want to overstep our bounds sometimes. My family is half from Detroit, from Michigan, so it's politeness was never a challenge there. It's, you know, go big or go home. <laughs> but I said to her, I said, let's take a look at your phone. And I said to her, 
plain and simple, you're going to call five people a day and you're going to ask them for business. She said, I can't do that. I said, yes, you can. You're going to ask them for business when you're sitting there having a coffee or having breakfast or brunch or lunch with them. And once you do it the first time, it's like going to the gym. You're going to be in pain. The second time, not so bad. After you're doing it every day, it's part of your routine. You couldn't live your life without doing that routine. I'll never forget the day that she sent me a text saying, oh, my God. This asking thing for business is so fantastic. Why didn't you bring me to your company sooner and put me into this? And now she is all about asking for business because she is giving something first. And she's an amazing, an amazing agent and a phenomenal person. So her whole thing is really based around her sphere. Yes, because she's been a realtor for 12 years. She doesn't need to knock a door. She doesn't need to make a cold call. She has 1,800, 2,000 people in her sphere, of which we dis we discovered after we did the ABC breakdown that, you know, you've got 500 people that are worth contacting, and the other 1,500 people, you don't even know why they're there, but we're not going to get rid of anyone. We're not going to discount them. We're just not going to pick up the phone to them. We're still going to email. We're still going to market to them. But we're only going to pick up the phone to the 500 people, five, six, seven, ten people a day, no more than that. Our one goal is one appointment face-to-face -face every day, either at their kitchen table or for somewhere for coffee or brunch in, the, in that neighborhood to talk referral and repeat business. All right, we made a, a quick adjustment due to some technical audio issues, and uh, we're back. Now, what I wanted to ask you, Ron, was uh, you were talking about the people that she was contacting, this particular agent, and um, it was really just the, the top people in her database rather than, you know, the people that were just sort of hanging around and not really producing any kind of uh, business or referrals. So let's go back to a CRM or database management for a minute and dig into that for a moment. And, and how All would right. you suggest somebody really get themselves organized? Well, I get asked this all the time because of my association, past association with Exact. Now, obviously, I like Exact because I know it, but that doesn't mean it's for everyone. Exact, Contactually, Top Producer, Real Align, they all will make somebody happy and they all offer free trials. You've got to try it for 15, 20 minutes, half an hour. If you like it, you'll use it forever. If you don't like it after the first 15 minutes, you're never going to use it. So get rid of it. You know, right now, my own database, I'm using Exact and I'm using an Excel sheet. So it's not what one product works best. It's what product works for you, the individual. There is no best. So how would you then, I mean, once you're comfortable with the layout or the ease of use for, for the way that your brain works uh, and you find that particular product, whatever it may be, how would you then organize it uh, in such a way that it's most effective to essentially produce business in the end? Okay. I like to break everything down into three categories, A, B, and C. And then it's when was the first time I contacted them? When was the last time I contacted them? When was the next time I contacted them? I'm going to contact them. So A-list are my best people. That's typically about 20% of all the people I know in this world. These are the people that I feel will buy or sell, 
or refer business to me in the next 12 months. B-list, usually about 10% of the total population. People will buy or sell or refer business, but I don't know them as well as I should or I'd like to. But they are someone I want to get to know better because they can definitely help the business. And then there's the C-list, the other 70%, where you say, how the heck are they even in my database? Or there is no way I ever want to work with this person again. Or that, no that does happen. <laughs> sure. So that's how I like to break down my database. And I make phone calls alphabetically. It's fine. To my first you know, A and B list, five people a day, seven people a day, 10 people a day. You get together for social scenarios because you're not going to speak to everyone, but you're going to make the calls. You're going to be emailing everyone three times a month, maybe direct mailing them once a month out of those three potential emails. Maybe one will be a direct mail and the other two will be emails. Or you'll just direct mail the top 100 people in your A list and B list and everyone else just gets three emails a month. There's a thousand ways to go about it, but contacting them, getting face-to-face, -face, it's all about face-to-face. You've got to get more face-to-face -face with people. And once you're doing that, it's a matter of consistently staying persistent to get it done. We never pick up the phone and call the C-list unless they pick up the phone and call us first. Okay, interesting. So you're spending your time with your 20 or 30 most percent, uh, most productive percent. Okay. Yes, definitely. Now, let me ask you a question, because there are some people with uh, spheres that their their whole business is based on, especially when they get in into the business, they have family and friends that want to use them, will use them, will refer them. And then you have those that, for whatever reason, a lot of people sometimes feel, I don't like mixing business and friendship. And so they'll go and buy a house or sell a house or whatever the case may be and not even tell you. Uh, that it's going to happen and you find out sort of later on. So a lot of their, their database is made up of that type of relationship. How, how would you deal with something like that? Is there a way around that? Is there a workaround? Family and friends on your database who don't necessarily do business with you and buy or sell without you or are apprehensive to buy and sell with you? That's correct. How would What is the workaround for those that that are like that, of that mentality, because they're, they're definitely out there. There's some people that just don't like mixing business and pleasure. Okay. I, I have a simple scenario, and I use it my, my life. My best friend in the whole world is my accountant. My other dear friend is my doctor. I know that these people, and as a matter of fact, my accountant is also my daughter's godfather. I know that these people will take care of me with their lives. And they express it because they know who I am. Now, they're very different from me, but they know what I need to hear because I'm a very driving, expressive type of person, and they're very analytical, being doctors and accountants, very analytical type of people, far less business-oriented and aggressive than I am, but they know that that's what makes me tick. So I say to anyone who's dealing with friends or family, you have to let them know. Say, you know what? You want me to sell your home for you. Because you want me to help you buy another one. Because you're going to invite me over for dinner. And I'm going to be sitting in that living room. And I want to come to that house for the rest of my life until you decide to sell it again. Because we're family. We're friends. I'm going to take care of you better than anyone ever could. Because I'm not concerned about the house or the commission first. I'm concerned about you and your family's well-being 
I don't care about anything else. As long as you're happy and healthy, that's all that matters to me. And if you can take take that sincere, sincerely, you're going to be very successful with friends and family because we would all do anything for our friends and family, wouldn't we? Yeah. I mean, we'd do anything. You know, my friend calls me and says, you know, I need this amount of money. Can you? Sure, no problem. Um, I need to use your cottage this weekend. No problem. Whatever you want. You're my friends. You're my family. You can have it. And we have to get that message across that this is not about business. This is about taking care of you, about making sure that you're looked after so that there isn't a challenge that you'll ever, ever have to deal with. Yeah, and, and that, that does help to combat that objective objection that comes up that says, what if something goes wrong? I don't want it to ruin our friendship. Well, if something goes wrong, I'm going to fix it. Because if something goes wrong with another agent that you don't know, they're going to try to fix it. But my goal is to not let something go wrong because I care about you as people. If something happens, it happens. But I'm not going to let it ruin our friendship because our friendship was here before your house. It'll, here, it'll be here after your house. But I'm going to go that extra 10 miles that the average realtor wouldn't because I care about you so much. Because... We've been friends since we were 16, 18, 20. We went to university together, whatever, because our kids go to school together and I've known you for 10 years. Whatever it is, it's a personal connection that I'm not going to let any amount of money or business ruin. Never. Now, <laughs> to play devil's advocate there, let's say you win uh, them over with that and uh, and then we're, they get into some sort of, well, com commission doesn't matter to you. So... How much are you going to refund me or what are you going to charge right. me? Are you sure. going to do it for free? <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. Simple as that. Here's, here's the simple question. If me or, you know, John Smith or Mary Jones down the street that you don't know, we're all charging zero. Who do you trust to take care of you? More than anyone. You trust me, don't you? So let's make it comfortable for you. On the house that you're going to buy... I'm going to take care of me and my family. When we list your house to sell, I'm going to take care of you and your family. So I will give you a half a point, a point off of the sale of the house. Not a problem because you're doing two transactions with me. And I'm going to do that every single time that you buy and sell real estate with me. Okay. But here's the bottom line. If we're dealing with a transaction on the table, an offer on the table. And we're short a little here and a little there, and we can't make it up. Who else would you trust to take care of you better than me, your good friend, when it comes to financial matters? Okay, Who so that's you how you more than me. That's no how you approach it. So you and I will have that conversation when it comes to it. You and I will have that conversation when it comes to it about the commission, about what you need as it approaches. That, I promise you, because you're my friend, you're my family member, I'm going to look after you. Now, in terms of um, other activities, because everybody's got their business model set up differently. And we know that just about everything works in this business if you work it, right? If you work it consistently. Yeah. What are some of the more successful models uh, of prospecting and, and building your business that you've seen over the last couple of years? for the most successful agents, not just the average doing okay agent? Well, everyone likes something different. Some people love to cold call. They're using Mojo. 
they're contacting three, 400 people a day. And they love it. And it's good for them. Hi, we have a listing in the area. Have you uh, seen it? Are you thinking of uh, moving to a new home? And they're, they're con- they have three people that are being dialed by Mojo and boom, 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 boom. They're looking for that one, two or three leads on the appoint- for appointments. My favorite has always been when you have a listing on the street, you knock four doors to the left, four doors to the right, eight doors across the street to let people know do you have any friends or family that you want to live on this street? Because I have a house listed or we have a house listed here at my company that no one knows about it. It's not going out to MLS until tomorrow. And the beauty of all of the systems that companies have, you know about a listing the minute it gets put into the office, which is usually about 24, 36 hours before it hits the Toronto Real Estate Board. So you can knock on every door on that street Obviously, if it's your listing, you know about it. But even if it's a company's listing, to let them know before the rest of the world gets it. And you probably aren't going to get a buyer for it. But what you do find is that people are impressed with your ingenuity and your aggressiveness to get the property sold. And they think, I want an agent like that working for me. That's my favorite type of prospecting face-to-face when you actually interact with someone. Let's say you take that approach and you're knocking on doors around uh, a just listed or just sold. You make that introduction. How do you take it beyond that? I mean, there are people that do that and, and just it goes nowhere. So you've made the introduction to the neighbor. You say, do you know anybody thinking of moving into the neighborhood or who would you like to move you know, into the neighborhood? Oh, I don't really know anybody right now. Okay, a good follow-up to that might be, well, what about you guys? When were you thinking of moving? Any plans? Exactly. Yes, or, no, maybe like so. To to next? You're looking, see, this is why real estate agents, be honest, not everyone's cut out to be a real estate agent because real estate agents, like stockbrokers, like any good salesperson, it's a study of human behavior. You have to be able to pick up on people. You have to discover what's good for someone, what's not good for someone. What type of a person are they? Are they amiable and friendly? Are they analytical by the numbers? Are they a driver, business, go, go, go? Are they expressive, the life of the party? You've got to be able to pick up on people really fast and know if there's something there or time to move on to the next. That is why I've always advocated everyone that you meet, put them into your database. Start marketing to them at a minimal to zero cost. If they react to your marketing, then you've got somewhere to go. If they don't ever, ever even open your marketing or never return a phone call that you make to them, it's time to find someone else to spend time with. How are you getting them. how are you getting them in the actual database? So you're at the door, you're knocking, Once you have you're having numbers, that conversation, you say, sorry. would you like to stay in touch? Is, is there, what is it that you're using as no, the lure? No, never ask them a question. Never ask them a question. You never ask a question you can get a no answer to. You assume the positive. You know what? This is a fantastic street you're living on. We do a lot of business on this street. I'm going to keep you informed of all of the people who are buying and selling on this street. What's the best way to contact you? Phone or email? Never ask any question that has a yes or a no answer. I don't believe in that in life. As real estate agents or salespeople, we don't ask, we shouldn't be asking questions that can be answered yes or no, because that's the end of the conversation. Someone gives you an answer, 
throw them another question. So assume the close. Really, assume assume the the close. close. There's no such thing as no. It's I haven't asked the right question to get to yes. And that yes may be, yes, I'm not interested. Thank you. But ask the questions. Okay. Don't stop asking questions. So let's take this uh, into a slightly different direction. Let's say that we have an agent that wants to get into a different type of market. Maybe they're used to doing um, some townhouses or whatever, but they want to get into the luxury market. Does anything okay. change in terms of your approach, tactics, marketing material between uh, the townhouse client or the luxury many millions of dollars client? You bet. You really better know your stuff. You're going to go into anything $2 million or higher. You better really know your marketplace. You better know every custom home builder. You better know that the people who buy these houses or build these houses take extreme pride and they consider themselves very fortunate. And a lot of the times they consider themselves better than the average person. So you have to show respect and at the same time realize that you can still educate these people. I'm going to give you an example. I know a gentleman who is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, if not a billion dollars. And we were sitting, having a drink, and he asked me, Ron, what is the difference between an exclusive listing and an MLS listing? And I said, how many houses have you owned? He says, about 10. I said, you don't know the difference? He says, well, I know there's a difference in commission usually. I said, actually, no, there really isn't. But what is the difference? He didn't know, you know, the difference between the MLS and the exclusive about cooperating and paying commission, et cetera. He had no clue. So we cannot assume that just because these people have money that they know everything. But we must respect the fact that they do have a certain level of lifestyle to acquire this type of of property. But just because they say that my house is worth $4 million, they don't know what it's worth. They don't. It's like them walking into a doctor. Just because you're worth $100 million, that doesn't mean you know the difference between a cardiac arrest and indigestion. You're not trained. <laughs> okay? You're not trained in the, in the position. So assume that they don't know even though they're going to act like they do. But you have to be educated. You have to know every street, every history, every sale, every custom builder, every unique detail, basically product knowledge. You have to have toured every luxury property when it comes up for sale to really see why they're asking the difference. Why this house on the same street, one house on the street is worth five million and one house on the street's worth three and a half million. Square footage, lot size, detail. For all you know, there could be gold leaflets all over the wainscoting, but you have to get into these properties to see them. Right. Okay. So you really got to know your your market uh, inside and out and really come across as the market expert and the, the, the relied upon expert and consultant. Now, you mentioned getting to know uh, all the custom builders and how would somebody even go about developing those relationships? You got to grind it out. You got to grind it out. You got to show up at the doors. You got to introduce yourself and create an affiliation. Basically, I haven't met a builder who, if you picked up the phone and said, hi, I'd like to take you for lunch and just pick your brain and talk to you, wouldn't go for you, go with you for lunch. And now it's up to you. 
you're not going to be thrust into their business after one lunch. But the more you can get to meet these people and understand the way a builder thinks and a developer thinks and the scope of some of the projects that they do, some yeah. developers are looking for massive, massive amounts of land to build huge condominium projects. Everyone wants something different. And I have really found the higher the station in life for these people, the builders, the developers, the more polished and polite they happen to be. They really are willing to talk to you because they know that the realtor is the one that brings them product to buy. And they're very polite and very decent. You may have to make 50 phone calls to get to them just because they're so busy, but they are very decent people and they're looking for you to feed them. So they're more than willing to have you take them for lunch to pick their brain. And again, I've just found that when they achieve this station, when they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars, they have a polish about them and a politeness and a decency to them as well. So your approach then uh, as an agent getting into the market or trying to get into that luxury market, that next level, um, for whatever reason, uh, how, how would you even get to that? Would you start by knocking on doors in those neighborhoods? Um, I mean, after you acquire the knowledge, obviously, and the market knowledge, to break in and, and start to get develop the clientele, how would you suggest one would go about doing that if it's not naturally in their circle of influence? It's exactly. It's on door knocking. It's open housing. You do open houses of agents in your office that own luxury property listings. Simple as that. And that's how you get to meet people who are looking for luxury properties and neighbors who are going to come and check out their neighbors' luxury listings. Uh, I know one particular agent that I'm very close to that over 20 years she has been in the luxury market and it's been a big grind in the beginning. And now it's all about referral business. But in the beginning, it was about open houses and door knocking the high-end streets. Primarily open houses, though. Okay. Now, let me ask you, because I, I've been asked the same question. I'd like to hear your take on it, because you have insight into uh, all the different agents in, in your office of various levels of success. Uh, Quote-unquote success. <laughs> now... The agents that are focused on those luxury markets compared to agents that are focused on um, just grinding it out with the lower priced or mid priced properties, do you find that there's there's a big difference in terms of the most successful agents focus on this type of clientele? No, no. Everyone has their niche that they enjoy. Um, we have one agent that sells. $200 million properties, and we have one agent that sells 20 $10 million properties. It's what you like. It's what you've grown into. My focus has always been, let's work on what you enjoy. What do you enjoy the most? And then let's build it so big that any weaknesses or things that you don't like doing are insignificant. So if you are a blue-collar type of person, and you enjoy the grind of the day-to-day, -day, and you came from a background of always working with your hands, you may do incredibly well in a community of $300,000 or less properties. Not that there is in GTA, but let's say that was the, the average price. If you grew up in an affluent area and you went to the country clubs and this is how you spent your life, you may 
enjoy that. Everyone has something different. Or you may aspire to say, yes, I may have grown up blue collar, but I only want to work with, you know, blue bloods now. Or you may say, yeah, I grew up in the country club, but you know what? I don't want to deal with that sort of people anymore. That's my whole life. I want to do a sale every single day, which means that I'm going to work with the cookie cutter type of neighborhood, semi-detached townhouses. And that's where I'm going to, I'm going to own that neighborhood. And me and my team are going to build something that no one can even touch with, touch or compete with. Okay, so you touched on something right there. You, you mentioned the word team, and that's a hot topic these days. For the last couple of years, uh, teams are definitely trending. Is that something that, as a new agent, someone should consider going in as a team member? And then on the flip side, as an, uh, an agent becomes more experienced and established, something that they could, should consider building for themselves? Again, personality. I meet with people who say, yes, I was thinking about being a team member. I'd like to be part of a team. And I agree with them wholeheartedly because they are far too calm and quiet, let's say, to be a team leader, to be on their own. And then I meet with people who have been in business, like our rookie of the year. Our rookie of the year, who'd been in business for two months, said to me, I was thinking of going on a team. And I said, there is no way you're going to be on a team. No chance. You are a team leader. You are not a team member. No way. And sure enough, he made 280K in his first year, in 10 months. So it's a personality scenario. And if you've ever read Sun Tzu, the number one focus of Sun Tzu is you have to know your own weaknesses before you get into any type of battle, or in this case, any type of business. If you know that you are introverted, if you're a little shy, you know, you may want to learn from someone who has been in the business. But if you are an outgoing, go-getter type of person, there's no reason you should be on a team. You should get right into the thick of it as your own realtor working for yourself. Okay, great. Now, let me ask you uh, another question that's a little bit left of center. Because of your role in, in your particular brokerage and your company, um, a lot of these people that are listening to the podcast right now are thinking about just getting into the industry or are perhaps not sure, maybe they feel stuck with their company. What is it that somebody should really be looking for in a brokerage? What do you feel um, is the value that the brokerage should provide to the agent? Great question. The first thing I ask anyone when I'm sitting down with them is, in a perfect world, what are the three most important things to you? In starting a business that would be your own or expanding a business either at your current brokerage or coming to a new brokerage what are the three most important scenarios and i break it down to the brand the culture the marketing strategies the marketing tools the support services the support coaching technology money the packages that are involved with the splits there's a lot of different things that are important to different people. Some people are so concerned about the splits. And I say to them, your splits mean nothing until you're taught how to make money. And some people are so concerned about the technology that I say to them, the technology is only as good as the people that you can get it out to. And some people are all about the wording and the scripts and how I talk to people. And I say to them, 
it's only as good as the energy you're willing to put into it. It's a combination of things. There is no one right answer, but what are the three things that come to mind first? And everyone's are different based on the type of person that they are. So usually when I ask that question, I can actually say, all right, if I can show you this, or I'm gonna put you into that, or I'm going to give you an alternative for this, let's figure out how much it's worth. You should either come to my company, you should stay at your company, you should open up your own company. Whatever the case is, let's figure out what's best for you. Um, truth be told, out of the 10 people that I meet, five of them I know are not right for my company. The other five could be right for my company, but unless I hit it off with them, and I'm not the easiest person to hit it off with, I'll tell you that. But oh, unless I, I, I know that already. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> unless, unless I hit it off with them, I'm not going to offer them a proposal. So it usually works about two or three people are right for my company, which, if you think about it, is the same as your database. Out of your 100 people, we're trying to focus on 20 to 30 of them. Out of 10 people, I'm focusing on two to three of them. The Pareto Principle works usually a little higher, a little lower, the 2080 transition rule. Always seems to work well for any business, and that's what I like to put in place with anyone that I meet. Okay, so from the brokerage perspective, and, and you can only speak to uh, your particular company, what is it that you guys in particular are looking for? And that might give some people some insight into what uh, some, some brokerages are looking for. Some people, as we know, are just looking for breathing bodies that will pay the monthly fees. <laughs> right. Um, okay. But what, what is it that you guys are looking for? I will not talk to someone who does not want to improve themselves. I won't. I don't care how successful you are. If you come to me and you say, I'm making a half a million dollars and I'm looking for a better split, I say, then I suggest you go to this company. I actually met with someone not too long ago, a day or two ago, who was doing about a hundred and a quarter a year, working six months of the year, only wanted to keep working six months, but did not want to put in any extra effort because there was no need for it. His life was set. He didn't have obligations outside of himself. There was no need for him to improve. And that was that. So I said, my company is not right for you. It's just not. It's not for you. If, and he said to me, well, what if I want to go talk to one of, my one of your managers? I said, they may want you in the office. I'm not sure. But I will not work with you unless you want to improve yourself. Now, improving yourself can be, I want to do more business. Or I want to do the same amount of business, but in two thirds the time, or I want to change my marketplace. I want to sell apartment buildings as well as residential. I'm not looking to make more money. I just want to transition my business, whatever it is. If there is an improvement, that's who I want to work with. And that's your own personal business model of, of your business within that business. Uh, and yes. you get to choose who you like to work with. And uh, that's some insight into perhaps when we, we as agents go to these interviews with brokerages and depending on who we are interviewing with, um, what they may be looking for in their own particular situation. So let, let me ask you a, a question that's a little bit controversial. I just okay. <laughs> what is your feeling on people being part-time in the real estate industry. Go back to your other business. Don't want you here. You are dealing with people's lives. You are dealing 
with millions of dollars of people's lives. If you're not willing to give it 40 hours a week to learn the product and learn how to really help people like you would in any other business, go back to it. You shouldn't be here. I really believe it. You should not be here. You're not doing them a service and you're never going to benefit from it. You'll make a few extra bucks, but it's not going to make you a huge difference at the end of the day. However, if you actually take the plunge, and sometimes that plunge takes a lot of guts to give up that $70,000, $100,000 income to jump into real estate full time. If you give it that full effort and you have people behind you to support you, you will see huge benefits, huge benefits, but you really have to make the effort. So part-timers, no. Part-timers are good for uh, lifeguards in the summertime and students in university, but not for real estate professionals. Okay. So there's no question about where you stand on that. I, I, I have to say that I agree. Um, after, So I think you should be given the first two years in your probationary period. I don't know. It's not the same depending on your market that you're in. But it, here in the, the Toronto area in Ontario, we have two years, what's considered the probation period, where you're slowly transitioning into the industry. You still have to take some courses and uh, finish up your licensing. I think it's okay to have that transition for a year or two to build up your business. Uh, but once you then are past that probationary period, uh, you know, you're either in or you're out because nobody, nobody can serve your clients to your fullest potential. I've unfortunately dealt with a lot of people where I'm trying to get a hold of them. Uh, there's a potential offer. There's a house on the line, this or that. I can't get a hold of them. Why? I find out hours and hours and hours later, oh, they were at their job their quote-unquote job i'm like well <laughs> uh, do your clients know that i agree with you 100 percent. you're much more forgiving than i am you're saying one to two years fantastic no i think when you fill in your applications um at either treb or whatever your local board is it should be a box are you willing to commit to this full time sort of like when you accept your Apple or Android terms and conditions, and you have to click, yes, I agree, if, otherwise you don't get anything. Same thing, if you're not willing to be full-time in this profession, we understand, not a problem. Keep your license, park it with a company that does these things, and best of luck to you in your other profession. Now, is this... Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I think that, that one to two year scenario, I think that's more than fair. And I agree with you, that's more than fair, that's a good idea. Okay, all right, hey, I win. <laughs> You win. You win. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, is that something that uh, you particularly feel as a personal um, uh, personal opinion, or is that a company policy? It's more of a personal. It's personal, but I will say, unless you are really, really good, and you are planning on making that jump full time, and you give someone your word at an interview, you're not going to get hired here at my company. Okay. All right. Just curious based on uh, conversation, and this can apply in many different ways in many different cities and towns and companies and brokerages. This is just one perspective or two in in this particular situation where you and I, but I'm, I'm just the lonely agent, so I don't have any power or say over it. <laughs> I just have my opinions. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Now, let me ask you a scenario. We've really touched on it when we were talking about um, how you were helping these other agents. But let, let's play a little game here and say you have a nephew or niece that is in, I don't know, Texas and uh, wants to get into real estate. 
they are let's say mid-20s, not that that's all that important, but more to the point that they're new in town, they don't have a large sphere. How would you suggest they go about uh, starting off their real estate career um, with the best chances for success? Okay, you were cut out there. So you're saying, let's, <laughs> let, no, let's say I have, a, I have a family member who moves here from... Moves to Texas or somewhere random where they don't know anybody. Right. And they want to get into real estate, they've got their license, they want to hit the ground running. What is it that they should do um, to, to set themselves up for success? First thing they're going to do is they're, if, they have, if they have children, they're going to make friends with every parent at that school. They're going to get involved with that school as much as possible. They're going to be part of the PTA. They're going to do carpool left, right, and center. They are going to associate with their children's friends' parents, number one. Then whatever community center is around the corner, they are going to get involved with that and be as active as they can in it. Church, synagogue, whatever religious affiliation, they're going to be involved in that ASAP. Then they're going to start to the old-fashioned scenarios. They're going to knock doors in their neighborhood and introduce themselves. I am your neighbor. I just moved into the area. I'm your neighbor. I just moved into the area. Sorry, my messages keep popping up here. I just moved into the area. I want to introduce myself. I'm a professional realtor and your neighbor. I'm here to take care of all of us in our neighborhood. That's the way I, I go about it. Okay. And then from there, build out your database, stay in touch with exactly. people, use the, the marketing pieces that you suggested. Now, one final question on that. Do you feel that three may be over, overwhelming and, and too much? People would say, hey, why are you sending me all this stuff? No. Unfortunately, direct mail you'll get more of a bang for your buck, but it's expensive. So that's why you only want to go once a month max. If you're farming an area, you want to hit two to three times a month. It's postcards. It's less expensive in Canada postal walk, but otherwise people don't know you. It takes six to nine months before they see you. And in a farm area, it's what have you sold? What have you listed? What do you charge? I don't know who you are. That's why you've got to go knock the doors. But with a database, those three pieces, if they're all email, 30% of people will open their email for one second and look at it. The other 70% deleted source. And I'm talking about the three or four line description that comes across their phone from, you just got an email from Ron Goldkind from ABC Realty. Oh, slide it all the way over, delete. Okay, but 30% will open it. They'll read it for one to three seconds max. And out of those 30%, let's say it's those 30 people out of 100, Five out of those 30 people will keep the email. The other 25 will delete it. So you're not impacting anybody. The people who are interested are going to keep it and going to see it and going to look at it again. It doesn't matter how much email you send to them or direct mail. You've got to get on the phone and talk to them, and then you've got to see them face-to-face. -face. You're not going to be willing to do that in this business, and I say this as a joke, but it's deadly serious. I say, if you're not willing to go to people and call them and knock on their door, I want you to learn this phrase. Excuse me, would you like to see that in a pump or a loafer? Because that is the <laughs> only way. I know, I know. That is the only way that you are going to sell something to someone that people are going to walk in your front door. Because the reality is everyone wants to buy a house. They want to buy a condo. They want to buy a real estate investment. They all want to buy something. Because as much, as, as much money as you can make, you can't live in your stock portfolio. You can't touch your stock portfolio. 
you can touch the bricks and mortar. You can live in it. You can make memories. Or you can collect rent from it every month. So they all want it. It's not selling the product. We're not selling encyclopedias or vacuum cleaners door to door. You have to sell yourself that you are the one to take care of their needs. And if you can do that, you'll be incredibly successful. Parting words of wisdom from Ron Goldkind. Thank you very much, Ron. I appreciate it. I know you've got a meeting in a couple of minutes and uh, I've got a showing in a couple of minutes as well. So I've got to get scooting. But thank you so much for taking the time today. Lauren, a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Always great to see you. Hope to see you again soon. All right, right back at you. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, I just wanted to say thank you so much. I truly appreciate you for your support and for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, share this all over social media, and especially share it with a realtor that you know that might be having a difficult time finding their own path to success. I'll see you on the next episode.